0: Welcome to the Two Cent Dad Podcast, where we interview dads to discuss their journeys of intentional fatherhood while doing work they care about and living a life of purpose. I'm your host, Mike Sudik.
1: Kids, I think, are tougher and smarter than we give them credit for. And, you know, I think it's easy to fall into a trap where it's like they you feel like they need you for everything, but really... It seems to me that sometimes we need them to need us more than they actually need us. On today's episode, I talk with Jeff Kazmier.
0: Jeff runs a school in Denver, Colorado that teaches software development. He talks about the no excuses culture at the school he runs and how that translates to his students and his children. I know a little bit about your background, but I don't know if you could just kind of give me a little bit of your story. Um, kind of where you're at and all that sort of thing. Yeah.
1: So I, let's see, uh, went to undergrad, uh, graduated 2003, did uh, computer engineering and then went into Teach for America. Um, So did Teach for America, teach in middle school and high school in D.C., where I'm from. Uh, And so that was 2003 through 2009, really. Uh, So during that time, I was like a, High school teacher, a middle school teacher, then a high school teacher, then a middle school administrator. Uh, We started a charter middle school, which was kind of my first startup. Uh, And then uh, after that, let's see, I left there in 2009, I started a company doing training, corporate training um, called Jumpstart Lab. And that went along okay until about 2012. Um, I started a program called Hungry Academy, which was one of the first of what are now called like developer boot camps or developer training programs. Uh, And then in 2013, came out to Denver, started a program called G-School. That was like the next kind of iteration of that. Uh, And then figured out my business partners were kind of dicks. And so said, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, 2014 started Turing on more or less on my own or like with my staff that I was bringing with me. Um, So now we've been running touring for a year and a half. Um, Somebody remarked to me the other day, like, you didn't start any new businesses in 2015. Like, oh, you know, thank God Uh, because starting businesses is not that fun. I think it's a lot of hard work. Um, So that's kind of the like business side on the dadding side. uh, Let's see, we got... Married when I was 26. Uh, that was 06, six, seven, nine, 6, 6, 9 7. Yeah. So no, it was 07. Uh, and then had our first kid, um, my daughter Violet, in 2010. And then the second one. Uh, 16 months later and then the third one like 20 some months after that so now they're 5-4 and coming up on 2. 16 and 20 months apart huh you got <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it just just yeah. one, two, three, just like that huh
1: <laughs> yeah uh, with yeah let's see so the first one was they were supposed to be 17 months apart but he just couldn't wait so he, he came a month early um, and then the third one uh yeah maybe they're a little bit farther they might be just i guess they're just over they're 28 months apart something like that
0: okay okay um
1: yeah but it's you know it's pretty intense having like three kids five and under uh and people definitely like say a lot of stuff to you, you know, if we're at restaurants or whatever, people like, oh, my kids are, you know, it's hard now, but my kids are close together and it's so great when they're older and so yeah. forth. And that always makes me pause a little bit like, oh, did we look like a shit show or something now? Like, I feel like we more <laughs> or less have it, you know, like all in under control right now, but. Whatever. Obviously not, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um,
0: you look yeah. like you need help, right? You know, yeah. you're out and about. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So, um, so tell me a little bit about why you went into Teach for America initially, like kind of starting. Sure. Cause why? Because it seems like that's kind of shaped your path, you know, with with teaching, and and it's really turned into you know three different ventures, I guess. After that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And th- that's the funny thing is when um, somebody made a comment yeah it's kind of like similar conversation somebody made a comment about like oh you started like three or four businesses in in four or five years and i can see how on the resume it looks that way but to me it's all been the same thing like i've been working on the mm-hmm. same thing now for 13 almost 13 years um so teach for america when i was in like when i was in high school i was really into teaching. I thought teaching was just really cool. Um, I used to volunteer at this preschool and, and I mean, to call that teaching was a stretch, but like playing with kids, I thought was fun. Um, and then I would once in a while do little like workshops at school, like teach some other kids, HTML or whatever. And, and back in, uh, you know, 1997, that was like pretty fringe knowledge, uh, right. spreading around, uh, And out of my grandparents, three out of my four grandparents were teachers. Um, So I guess it was just kind of like always in the blood a little bit. Uh, My plan, when I was in high school, yeah, I graduated high school in 99, so in like 96, 97, my thinking was, okay, I'll go to school, go to college, get my CS degree, I'll get my fat signing bonus when I graduate um you know i'll have to decide at that time whether i'm more of a bmw person or a mercedes person <laughs> and then i'll work at that company for a little while we'll sell it and then i'll probably retire when i'm like 30 something you know and after i retire maybe i'll go like hang out on the beach for a couple years and then i'll go teach that that was really like the the mature plan that i had set up for myself um and so you legitimately thought this, like,
0: this is, this is actually planned out, right? You're, you're like, this is, yeah, is going to be cakewalk, a, man. Yeah.
1: It sounds good, right? Like right, that's what right. everybody's doing is you just right. go and you like make all these millions and then, um, just do whatever you feel like. And, uh so then by the time I was graduating college, it was clear. I was really tired of tech people at that time. Um, my, CS program, like most CS programs, was pretty much all white dudes who looked like me, had similar backgrounds to me, uh, and it was just really very vanilla, and everybody was getting jobs at Microsoft and Intel and so forth, and these places I didn't want to work. I guess I always had, like, a bit of a counterculture side, and this friend of mine told me about Teach for America. He pushed me to apply. Um, I applied. He did not get in. I did get in. And so he was like, you, fucker, you better do it. Like, you took my spot. And uh, I was like, Whoa, I'll actually like check it out now. Dug into it. And um, I was really interested. And then I, I had also been thinking about law school. I'd gotten into a law school that I wanted to go to, um, but I was really fixated on going back to D.C. And so the law school was was George, uh, George Washington Law in D.C. And so I said, all right, if Teach for America places me in D.C., I'll do it. If they don't, I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to go to law school. Um, mm-hmm. And they did. And so I did it. And kind of never, never look back. My mom used to ask me for a couple of years after that, like when I was going to go to law school and then get a quote-unquote real job, as uh, she called it. But <laughs> she's eventually given up that ghost now. So, well, let's back up a little bit. You said you, you were kind of
0: uh, countercultural, like you you were amongst your peers, but you didn't really want to go the kind of pre-described or prescribed route, you know, that everyone else was going. Why, why do you think that was, especially hearing like that your mom's reaction was, you know, you need to go to get a real job, but what, you know, was that, was that something in the way that you're raised? I mean, like what? why, why do you think that was other experiences you had or?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it actually does come back to my mom. Like she, she's a tax lawyer and, uh, you know, she grew up in a time where like women were supposed to keep their mouth shut and like do the typing and, and not really have opinions. And she is an exceptionally strong opinion, strongly opinionated <laughs> woman. Uh, and so spent her whole career, like kicking open a lot of doors and, at the time, I would have said that I was doing things differently than her. But now in retrospect, I understand it was actually like the same thing as her. It was just basically like, I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what the system is. I don't care what I'm supposed to do, like what's expected of me. Like I'm going to do what I think is interesting or what I think is right or, or what have you. Like not, not be constrained by what is there currently.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about your dad? What was his, what was his role? Or-
1: <laughs> my dad was, uh, he was a government guy. So uh, he, well, they both were like lifetime government people. Um, he was an appointee for Bush One. Okay. And so it's funny now, I actually talk about that time a lot now um, where I've been involved in a lot of government things lately. And when I was a kid, government was like my dad's world of like gross old, rich white dudes and (laughs) now government is all like my people, you know, like Uh I I go to these things occasionally in DC or at the white house or whatever. And everybody's like, they look like tech people, you know, and they have stickers on their laptop and I'm like, what, you know, what, what happened to the, like, yeah, I don't know, just super conservative folks, like politics aside, I, I just think it's really neat that, the government now is doing really impressive, interesting things with technology and breaking a lot of rules when it comes to like making technology work for the people. Yeah. Do you think that's had an
0: effect, like a downstream effect of serving kind of what Turing's doing and and that whole movement? Or
1: Yeah. Like- uh, you could argue that 20, 30 years ago, we might not be allowed to operate you know, Mm -hmm. like in a different regulatory climate that was like keeping things really kind of rigid, um, that the idea of like spitting up a school, opening a door and saying like, write us some big checks, we swear we'll teach you some stuff, um, that that wouldn't have been okay. Uh, Right now there's like such great support, especially in technology, you know, when you, I think Chicago kind of blazed the trail first of like really strong local support, to kind of incubate that community. I think New York was close behind them. And with those patterns established, now most city and state governments are figuring out like, oh, how do we not only like get out of the way of the tech industry, how do we like incubate this, make it really successful here? And you're seeing just all these efforts pop up in in cities big and small, which I think is really exciting.
0: Sure. Yeah, you definitely see that. It, it definitely is a they're trying to kind of catch up because they're seeing that modeled for them, you know, that yeah. is is really fascinating.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, OK, so you do Teach for America and then, you know, moving on to the next thing. Where where does uh, your wife and where do your family come into that and how you know, kind of talk through that kind of evolution and how that related to your journey?
1: <laughs> yeah, when I um, when I talk to people about startups and making startups and so forth, The thing I, one of the pro tips I give people is, uh, you, if you don't have a significant other, you should get one. Uh, and everybody laughs and I'm like, no, really like that. It's, that's the most, I think, I don't know. I just would not have been nearly as successful as I have been without my wife. Like she's my biggest supporter and, and harshest critic, um, You know, we joke about she's a social worker and uh, all, you know, come home or whatever, be talking to her and like, oh, here's this problem I got. Oh, here's this problem. This student is like struggling or this student, he's such an asshole or whatever. And whatever she says, it always boils down to the same thing, which is how have your actions and your kind of stance, how's your participation in the environment or in the situation created this outcome? And I'm always like, oh, it's this guy. He's well, okay. So there was this time that I had this thing and he asked, knew I should have said this to him, but I said this other thing to him and, <laughs> and it's like, damn, every time, every time it's you played a part in creating the situation, you know? And so anyway, like. We we met in Teach for America, um, and... Do you think, can I stop you? Do
0: you think yeah. that that is your advice? I think that's great advice to have, you know, have a significant other from a support side of when you're starting anything, you know, startup or, or any sort of, like, movement or anything. But do you think that's different than what's normally taught, that it's saying, like, don't, you know, don't waste time with that, you don't have time for it, like, don't have time for a family, like, you should just be invested in whatever you're doing. I mean...
1: Yeah, I I think that's just so dumb. Like so short-sighted. <laughs> you know, they and and sure there are like some relationships that are going to be hurtful to the business, right? There are like lots of relationships that don't that don't work. But to me the strongest like most valuable personal relationships whether they're with friends or with someone you're going to spend your life with are the ones where the other person believes in a version of you that can become true, mm. right? And whether mm. you believe it or not, but that they see like a you that you can become, and they want to play a part in like helping you become that future you. Um, you know, I, I had a friend uh, pass away recently, and at at the wake, uh, one of the friends shared uh, a sentence. He said it was an incredibly heavy burden to try and live up to the person that Jake knew you could be. And that's like, I don't know, it just really stuck with me of like, yeah, that that was true for that friend. And that's true for all the people who have been really valuable relationships to me over over my life is like, they saw more than I could see. They like believed more than I was willing to believe. And then I had to like stretch to live up to that.
0: Yeah, that's that, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> and it's so rare though. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't you don't run into too many people. I mean, obviously a spouse would be the closest to that, but other relationships that that are really saying, I'm gonna hold you to a higher standard than myself even, and right. I'm, I'm gonna be there for you to support you to do that.
1: Yep. Oh, that's yep. huge. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think one of the tricky parts, right, especially when you talk about parenthood, is like things change your context changes so much from the time when you were like you know kids and met each other like regardless of how old you were you know hopefully you were like single at least and just kind of living your life and then you go into two and then you know when I look back at these uh 12 years since we first met like we've changed jobs, we've changed cities, we've changed like industries. Uh, we've gotten degrees, like just everything, everything that I would have used to describe who we were as people in 2003 is different now. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. like you have, we, we had the like resiliency to roll with it. Um, one of the tests I always, you know, I interact with a lot of like younger people here. Um, I've had the, privilege of my staff. Uh, my staff is 15, including me, and mm-hmm. I've officiated two of their weddings. Uh, I got a third one coming up soon here. Uh, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Um, you're a teacher, yeah. you're a teacher and like the,
0: the council, you know, <laughs> that's right. That's right.
1: Uh, or yeah. something like that. Uh, and you know, when people are thinking about and With our students, we work with a lot of people like 25 to 35. And so many of them are in those relationships where it's like, is this the forever thing or not? And what I always tell them is like, you need a road trip, you need a seven day road trip. And if you stick together all the time for seven days, getting lost, getting tired getting hungry which is when everyone fights right uh Mm -hmm. if you do all those things and at the end of the seven weeks you say to yourself i wish we had another week then sign it up like i don't care how long you've been dating that person (laughs) if you get through that week and you wish you had a second week then like get the ring it's on uh and if you like want to get away then that's probably not the thing for you
0: so how many people have like taken you up on that and actually done it and then be like, Jeff, you were right. Like I At you know, least or, two or, or no, they were wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's always it's always come out positively, so that's good. I haven't yeah, like good. directly ended it, any of their relationships.
0: Yeah, they go they go to their significant, They're like, sorry, my my teacher said I have to, you know, after yeah. this road trip, I gotta end it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it's
1: interesting, you know, you're you're talking about coming back around to like the way people talk about families and significant others Uh in tech. And it's so just perverted, like from reality, you know, and I, on one hand, obviously like I participate in tech culture. And on the other hand, I find it to be so just juvenile and stupid, you know, like the (laughs) stuff that like people get worked up about this or don't get worked up. Like we're going to, lambast somebody who said this like mildly shitty thing. And then meanwhile, like exist in a culture where they're like super shitty things, people getting killed by police and so forth and be like, Oh, that's too hard. But like, let's write blog posts and blog posts and blog posts about this person who like, I don't know, hunted some animal or whatever. Like it's, it's not that that stuff's like a waste of time, but it's, uh, people are so willing to get engrossed in what seemed to me to be like small problems because they're easy to wrap your head around and, and hesitate or not be willing to engage in like the big problems. Um, So you think it's a, it's a
0: ability to wrap your heads around it or is it, is it a head in the sand sort of a thing and they don't really have exposure to the actual side of that? Like you brought up the, you know, police shootings or that sort of thing. Like they don't, they don't really have any relationships with anyone that would be in that situation or that's been affected by that, you know?
1: And that and that's it for sure. And and that's something that's hugely valuable to me from like my time growing up in D.C. You know, and uh, I used to like ride the city bus to school every day and be like the only white person on the bus and came back. And when I taught, I was like the only white person in my school. Uh, and I could tell you there was a club down the street and I could tell you whether or not it was a, whether there was a rock show or a hip hop show that night based on whether there were other white people on the street. Uh, you know, <laughs> and just like those years Seeing what kids in like real poverty, in real cultures of violence, like what that life looks like totally reframes my understanding of my life. And that's one of the, the vectors where I try and like push our students now is like whatever your struggle is here, if you're at Turing and you're struggling, shut up. Like, this, this <laughs> is not what struggle looks like. Like, yes, I'm sorry that your your code is, like, really difficult for you to write. Like, uh, imagine being a garbage man who breaks a finger. Do you think he gets to, like, take two months off from pulling garbage? No. He, like, straps it up and goes and f- pulls garbage every day because they don't have the luxury of being inconvenienced by things like, Oh, this, my test suite is slow or I don't like this way you're teaching me. Like we're so, so privileged in technology that I just get, I, I, I don't want to hear it basically. Like yeah. whatever the problems are here, I don't want to hear it. And, and the problems that your startup and it's like, Oh, people, I'm burned out. Like burnout is an emotional situation. It's not a physical situation. So like I'm burned out cause I'm working too many hours. It's just not true. You're burned out because like you're not getting the fulfillment you need from those hours. And there are lots of people who work way more hours than you and they don't get to say I'm burned out. So like button it up and find a solution, find a way to push forward other than this like boo hoo hoo me that's yeah. our rant. One there of my you rants. go. I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wasn't about to complain about something, but I'm not going to, um, <laughs> that's <no>. right, <laughs> no, like,
1: what
0: a yeah. So, so, so then, um, you know, you have like toddlers, so you just, you take that same mentality with them. I take it and just tell them to shut up or, <laughs>
1: uh, you know, some, everyone wants to sometimes that's for sure. <laughs> uh, I I have a really strong stance uh, towards transparency. Like I'm really mm-hmm. just in favor of transparency in business, in tech, and business and tech. And I think that um, translates to the kids too. So we just talk, I feel like we talk to the kids like all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's almost nothing that's like, we're not going to talk about that. So um, my my four-year-old, He probably says the fewest words of the three, including the two-year-old. The four-year-old, he doesn't say a lot, but he thinks a lot. And so then whenever he says something, it's super interesting. Uh, For example, the other night we're at dinner. It's me and my brother and the three kids. My wife was out. And Vinci, the middle one, says, Daddy, if the police are supposed to help people, why'd they kill Freddie Gray? You know, and it's just like, shit, Vince, like, all right, let's, let's talk about like institutional yeah. racism and have this like half hour conversation, you know? And yeah. and I, I told that story to somebody and she was like, oh, I guess you're going to have them, you're going to stop listening to NPR in the car. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, those are the kids that I want to raise those are the kids that are wondering like why police would hurt somebody that they're supposed to protect. Um, because I, I don't think I have kind of like an issue with what I see, especially in America, but I think it's probably a global phenomenon of like this perpetuated adolescence where like adolescence really reaches into like your mid twenties. And Mm, then all of a sudden you're in this like harsh real world. And I think it makes a lot more sense to just bring kids up in the real world, like bring them up exposed to its strengths and exposed to its weaknesses. And, expect for them to like have the expectation on them that they're going to like grapple with that reality that like the world is not perfect and we're not going to pretend that it is that doesn't mean that we're like oh the world sucks let's be pissed off about things it's like let's be pissed off and find solutions and for the things that are good and and you know do make people happy let's like double down on those and for the places that we see weakness let's like Brainstorm ways to solve it, not pretend it's not there. Yeah.
0: No, I. It, that reminds me of an article I was reading recently about, it was kind of French parenting styles. And they talked about how they essentially what it boiled down to is they, they basically, um, they treat their kids like adults um, from an early age in little ways, like feeding them adult food. Not everything is like gummies and not everything is like covered in sugar. Like they eat healthy food because they just give them what they're having from like when they're you know, two or when they can ever, they can handle like solid foods or they, they actually respect them. They, they are, they're courteous to their kids, not just, you know, ordering you do this, this, and this, and this. And it kind of struck me because it was exactly what we were talking about. It's like, it's, it's all those little ways that add up that extend that adolescence or that, that the kid phase. And then all of a sudden you, like you said, there's like a huge wake-up call. And then you have these people that don't know how to function in that environment because they, they've been coddled the whole time, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. An easy example. And you know, I, I try not to like judge other people's parenting It's like parenting is a hard game and like you do what you have to do to, to make it work. But man, it's tough when I see like what I consider be grown kids in strollers, like five, six, seven year old kids. I'm like, what is that child doing in a stroller? Like walk, <laughs> they know how to walk. They should do it. And I, I know people are like, oh, you know, it's slow or whatever. Well, they're not going to get any faster sitting in a stroller, you know. So my kids, I don't know, when you get, uh, I have not pushed a stroller. I think I used the stroller once this year. Um, and and you're, in, what are the ages of your kids again? Five, four, and one and a half. Okay. And it's like one and a half year old, either you're walking or like maybe I'll throw you on my shoulders once in a while. But the idea of like, you sit in your throne and I push you around. No, thank you. Like <laughs> you, you got, you got it mixed up.
0: <laughs> so were you and your wife on pretty, pretty similar terms when it came to that? I mean, when you guys had kids or <sighs> is that an adjustment? Cause, cause so. a male perspective I think is more yeah. leaning towards what you're saying, obviously, yeah. but
1: not yeah. to, not to categorize it too much, but she, she's, she's a tough lady. Um, you know, especially, yeah, when it comes to, um, so let's see, without going like too much into her business, my wife was in a car accident when she was a teenager and was like paralyzed from the neck down. And then gradually over the course of like several years, her like nerves regenerated and she like regained, um, like most, most all of her, uh, body function and so forth. Wow! And so she does not have a lot of sympathy for like, boo, hoo, hoo, my body, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. She's like, I brought my body back from nothing, like from almost nothing, you know? Uh, So she has pretty high expectations on on those things too. Um, It was interesting really having our daughter first, where I have this theory that um, rationally or reasonably, I think society teaches girls to be scared of everything and, or like at least kind of live in a in a culture of fear and there are a lot of terrible things that unfortunately like women need to be cautious of in, in the modern world. But for her, I wanted to try to do the opposite. And, and so it took, it was like little things. Like when she was a baby, ah, man, I want to say like three months old, I would kind of like wrestle with her. And when she was six months old, I'd like throw her in the air and all this stuff. And, I don't know if it was her personality or if I took it too far, but she's like a wild thing now. Like she went to parkour camp last summer. And so she's always jumping off of something and like rolling and tumbling here. And, you know, she, she's the roughest. She's much rougher than her like younger brothers. Uh, but that's just kind of the way The the what we expect of them is like, you're gonna take care of yourself. Like, we're going to set you up for success, but like ultimately you're responsible, uh, for your own happiness.
0: Sure. Sure. Are you guys, are you guys doing anything special in regards to education? Like you guys homeschooling the kids, you you haven't been a special school or is it just public school or?
1: Yeah, it's, um, you know, with two like career educators, it'd be very reasonable to expect us to do homeschooling or something. Uh, but we're kind of on the opposite end. Uh, we're, my daughter's in a public school now, a, pu- a public charter school uh, where she's in kindergarten. Uh, pre For pre-K, we, we put them in like a co-op kind of school, um, which has been great. And I don't think, yeah, homeschooling, I think schools look so different, neighborhood to neighborhood, district to district, that I don't, judge anybody for homeschooling for my kids it's not the thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would love to be a big factor in their education and in my opinion that can happen in the like evenings and weekends and there's just a lot of value to me in school among other things. Like I just want them to be exposed to all those people and all their realities and their strengths and weaknesses and their situations that they're dealing with and so forth. And if I keep, if I keep them in the nest, I know they're going to be safe, but that's too safe for me. Like I want them out there seeing like what struggle looks like, whether that struggle is, you know, dealing with bullying or dealing with accidents and dealing with poverty and like dealing with just all the, all the things that you encounter and, and happen in a regular school environment.
0: Sure. Yeah, definitely. The negative of yeah, homeschooling is sheltering, you know, and Right, but it's not, I mean, in my mind the the negative of non homeschooling or you can take a very um off hands approach and just kind of abdicate your your child's education to somebody else that's right. you know that's not necessarily dependent on if you send them to school or not, but that's more yeah, you know, your own and, activities but
1: and and part of that is the comfort of like having a lot of experience with education, right, and like I can meet a teacher and size them up pretty quickly. Or I can like step into a school and tell you like what their strengths and weaknesses are and and what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. So I could understand if I didn't have that experience, school as a concept would make me a lot more nervous, right? Like how do I know whether they're doing the right things or not? Um, But it's fortunate for me that like, that's, that's my area of expertise. So like, I, I know. <laughs> I can right, tell the right. difference between a, <laughs> a good teacher and a mediocre teacher real quickly. Right. Um, and also again like we have the privilege of um, being able to to make like more than one choice for school. Like our neighborhood school is always an option. We in Denver have a school choice lottery every year so we can lottery into other schools. Um, my daughter lotteried into a charter school that's close to our house. That's one of the like very highly respected schools in the city. And now because of the way sibling rules work, like the boys can automatically go there if they want to. Um, So we, we just ended up in like a, a best of all world situation where like they walk to school and it's a great school and it's free and it has like a reasonable amount of, Economic and racial diversity. So, yeah, couldn't be happier with that. Perfect. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: So, what else are you doing um, with your kids that to help give them kind of more of that exposure? Sounds like that's one of your core things is is kind of opening your kids' eyes to struggles that other people have, other people's upbringings, backgrounds, perspectives. You know, sending them to those a diverse schools. One. What are some other things that you do? to, to accomplish that.
1: We're working on a new experiment right now. Uh, and it's largely inspired by the school where my wife works, uh, and they practice what they call restorative justice. And essentially what that boils down to is focusing on the impact that your actions have on the community rather than how they compare or contrast with the rules. So, when you uh let's just say hypothetically on saturday of last weekend spit on your brother we're gonna not talk about like how spitting is against the rules what we're gonna do is like sit down the family and have the brother talk about how it felt to be spit on and the two parents like Talk about spitting and like, if we've ever been spit on how that would make us feel and like really focus on the impact on the community, uh, like our small family community, rather than like, here's the rules here, the authoritarian says, these are the rules you've broken the rules, therefore X punishment. Um, and it's been really interesting so far. My, my daughter, the oldest is like pretty hard to get through to. She is not a great listener. Um, Mm -hmm. she's just like really kind of active kid. She's always going 12 directions. And with this approach, it's some of the first times that I've seen her like clearly be deeply affected by those corrective actions or corrective conversations as opposed to like, go sit and time out. She's basically like, yeah, whatever. Fine. I'll go sit and time out. She doesn't really care. Um, But really, hammering on, like, here's how your actions affect the rest of us and affect our emotional state, and so forth. Um, I think is really working on her, uh, which has been super cool. Um, so that that like general technique is called restorative justice. Restorative justice. That's interesting. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Um, other things we do with the kids. Um, I think. I mean, it sounds silly. Uh, but just having like really high expectations for them and allowing them to fulfill those expectations. Uh, so for instance, we've been cabin shopping. We're trying to buy like a weekend house in the mountains of Colorado. And over the past six months, we've probably spent, I'm going to say 10 days in the car, like, uh, either a Saturday or Sunday, almost every weekend, just driving around looking at cabins and so we're driving for 12 13 hours each time and i was telling one of my friends and they're like oh my god how do you like how do you keep the ipads charged up that long (laughs) and i was like oh yeah it didn't really occur to me to like bring ipads it's like the family's driving in the car the family's going to look at these cabins like You're part of the family you're sitting in the car like I'm driving I'd much rather be playing games on an iPad but I'm doing this for the family and like we can listen to music and you can read some books and that's about it and yeah like they respond to expectations really well especially if they're like step gradually stepped expectations right if I was just like oh sit in this chair for 12 hours and books they would freak out but given that like they're already accustomed to driving. They're interested in the mountains. Like we've kind of gradually ramped them up to the point where they can fulfill those high expectations. Uh, I, I have like a pretty strong bias around like media in general. Um, so they don't consume much media. Uh, they'll often like watch a movie on the weekends Um, like a 90 minute kind of movie or maybe like two or three 30 minute shows. And that's really it for the week. Uh, We listen to a lot of music. There are a lot of dance parties in our house and whenever they do watch TV, uh, I totally get it. You know, when, when you're like making dinner and for one reason or another, they're watching TV. You're like, Holy shit, this is so easy. No one's talking to me. No one's like pulling stuff out of the drawers and so forth. But for our family, that's just not the way we want to be. So Um, there's like no ipads no phones no tv uh, just a movie on the weekends and like they're cool it's like make your own fun you know i I, I hate i hate the face that they make when they're watching tv you know that's just like the zoned out face there and and then the worst part is after you turn it off right and it's like Just watching them like come down off the endorphin high of television and they're just monsters, you know? They're like nasty. (laughs) Oh, this sucks. So, uh, I guess my kids, it makes them look forward to plane trips because on the plane, it's like all rules are off, y'all. Like, get the iPad, crank six hours of movies. I don't care what you have to do. Like, just chill out in this plane. Uh, But when we're at home, when we're at home, like, pretty harsh. Harsh uh, rules on that. The other little piece, kind of related, is for the boys. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I guess coming from like the teaching background and so forth, um, I have really strong feelings about violence. And the way, one of the things that I think is hard to comprehend, unless you've really like been exposed at a deep level to like what real poverty and particularly urban poverty looks like is the role that violence plays in day-to-day life, yeah. right? Whether it's kids getting jumped at the bus stop or a brother, uh, getting locked up or, you know, I, of my high school kids, I taught high school for four years and of those kids, at least six of them are deceased. At this point and it's just like and it's almost all through violence right and so i don't like violence and i think most people would agree but then we like play violence all the time and that that doesn't add up to me right so uh the way i say to my boys is like in our house we don't think violence is funny so like we don't have play guns we don't have play swords we're not gonna be like punching people or what or like playing violence cuz we're not going to practice something that we think is like disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and violence I think is like the worst is the worst of humanity in my opinion. So uh you know, we went to a birthday party 2 weeks ago and it was a bunch of the boys and it's like I totally get it, but like the boys are just running around through the backyard like smacking each other with plastic swords. And I'm like, "Can't we can't, like I I know I get it. I'm that like progressive annoying friend, but it's just like can't we do something other than pretend to kill each other? Like there I'm surely there are other fun games we could come up with besides pretend killing. Yeah. And like they don't think of it that way. They're just like doing the thing that they watched on TV or whatever, whatever. But then you look at these these like systemic problems like these mass shootings right that are happening at such a frequency that they're barely on the news anymore it seems like or or at least they're not elevated to this uh discussion thing that everyone's talking about and it's not a super long line to draw between kids playing violence all the time and then kids doing violent things like yeah it, it makes a lot of sense so how about we just like not not yeah violence isn't funny in our house so how That's
0: how it. is that contrast with what you were saying with your daughters teaching him to be tough and not afraid
1: yeah you and know. i think like you can be the toughness and and violence i think shouldn't cross over right like it's tough to go hiking and it's tough to like ride bikes super far you know we my uh my four-year-old just started riding by a bike with like hand brakes instead of the pedal brakes and like that's tough. That's like, that's cool toughness. And we can wrestle and like play without being violent. And I'm not like, and they're not pinning each other down. It's just like goofing around. And, and I think that is, you know, I'll admit that that's a fuzzy line. Um, but I think toughness is about like the expectations you have for yourself. Yeah. Like how do you, what makes you give up? And if you're in my family, what makes you give up better be nothing like we don't we're not a family that gives up.
0: Yeah, especially especially your wife. You know, she's going to she's going to let them have it if they're going to give up too easily. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. She's she's much tougher than I am. So did you just curious what how many siblings did you have and how many did your wife have? You.
1: I uh, I have three half brothers who are all older, so I grew up pretty much by myself. And uh, my wife it, has a similar half brother that's a l- older than she is that wasn't really around, and then she has two younger brothers. Okay. Yeah. So we both, for like slightly different reasons, were were kind of like the adultified child. Mm -hmm. She she was typically taking care of the younger brothers. Um, My parents, for better or worse, like let me do kind of, uh, I think their parenting strategy, I don't know if they thought about it as a strategy, was just like let me make the mistakes and trust that I won't make enormous mistakes Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, and just kind of left me to my own devices. So it's funny to think back, like I think I was – 12 or 13 when i was taking the subway into the city every day and during the summer i would like street perform in downtown dc and then like hang out with my friends eat chili and sushi and stuff we'd buy with the money we made and then subway (laughs) back and and get back home like sometime right and this is like before cell phones like they vaguely knew where i was and basically just assumed that i'd be able to to find my way back um and, and so I'm really, like, thankful for that level of freedom that they, that they gave
0: me. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, you wouldn't, the, you wouldn't allow that nowadays. I mean, most people would shy, shy away from that, but for a variety of reasons, because it kind of goes back to what you said at the beginning, you know. You, you want to hold them and protect them, and, you know, it's, it's the extended kind of kid stage where you're not, yeah. you haven't raised them in a way where you feel like you, they're responsible enough to do that, and you're trusting they're not going to make big mistakes.
1: Yeah. And that's where, you know, like I try, obviously you want to make sure your kids are safe or like as, as best you can, but I, I try to let them fall a lot, you know, even with the little one, like if we're at the playground, I'm going to try and like stand far away where I can see him and I, I know what he's doing, but I want him to like try crawling on something that's too big for him and fall and like knock his body around a little bit and think twice about it the next time or better yet, figure out a way to make it work anyway um, mm-hmm. and not have it be like, okay, Vince, uh, Siamie, like put your hand here, you know, move your body there. It's like ki- kids, I think are tougher and smarter than we give them credit for. And, You know, I think it's easy to fall into a trap where it's like they, you feel like they need you for everything, but really it's, it seems to me that sometimes we need them to need us more than they actually need us. Yeah. And it's like, so you, you want to say, well, he needs me to do this. He needs me to do this. No, he doesn't. Like he'll figure it out or like, yeah, maybe he'll make a mess or maybe he'll get scratched up and whatever they're low to the ground. Like they'll probably be okay.
0: <laughs> they're low to the ground. I like that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, hey, I won't keep you much longer though, Jeff, but I appreciate your time. Um. One of the things I, I just want to ask is like kind of as a last, last word, like someone either advice you'd give a new father or just kind of a overall, just last word for parenting and advice. I mean, there's a yeah. lot you kind of spoke on, but what, what was something you'd leave it with?
1: We, um, We have a lot of new parents, whether it's in the staff or in the students and so forth. And I always tell them the same thing. Chill the out. Like it is not that big a deal. People have babies in the jungle. You know, people were having babies and like all over this earth for hundreds, maybe thousands or tens of thousands of years, whatever. Like it's gonna be okay. And you don't need like 85 bags of stuff. You need like, oh man, Uh, you know, by third, third baby, poor third baby, he like gets diapers and some clothes. (laughs) <laughs> and, and that's it you know and like first baby there's like oh this special swing and this thing and this thing and this thing and, and then you're like hey it's weird how the kids seem to play with the boxes as much as they play with the toys because like they don't give a shit about all these toys uh, that's, that's not what's gonna like help you have a happy healthy baby is like having all this million pounds of stuff that you're lugging everywhere and like extra stressed out about it's just like just chill the fuck out and like Pay attention and chill out, and it will be okay.
0: Thanks for listening to the show. You can find out more about us and sign up to receive updates at 2 If you liked what you heard or just want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at mike2centdad.com. At Please leave a review on iTunes if you like the show. It helps us to get the word out to the most people possible. The podcast production is done by Maria Van Dyken and the show is made possible through the support of EC Group International, building software teams since 1999.